Welcome to Pixel Pizza. Did she say pizza? Your ultimate source for chiptunes, video game talk, and pepperoni. Delivered to you from Los Angeles and into the digital cyberspace of the 2020s. Pizza power! That's right, when super giant pizza. I want a large, thick crust with double cheese, ham, pepperoni. Hey, where's my pizza? Pizza time. Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to the track Gridlock by Watch Out for Snakes. And now we are beginning the interview segment of our show. I'm very excited for this week's guest. He is from Half Past Yellow Games, and they are known for their game Tiny Tomb and the upcoming time on Frog Island. So this is Max Wrighton. How you doing, Max? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely, anytime. So I like to start off my show by asking the question, uh, at what point in your life did you know you wanted to work on games? Um, it's a good question. Uh, like I've, uh, I think everyone gets into it a little bit differently. Like me personally, um, it's something that I sort of always wanted to do. Um, I know that since I was young, I was always interested in like making games. But what making games 
was sort of transformed as I got older. Like originally, it was much more linked to my love of games and playing them and sort of being part of whatever that process was. But then like getting older and learning a little bit, a little bit more about programming and uh, going to university and learning a little bit more about like uh, sort of teamwork and stuff. It also changed what I wanted to work in. Originally, I was much more interested in AAA. But as I went to university, I realized that I actually prefer sort of having a broader uh, skill set and a broader sort of like scope of things to work on. So uh, a, a more like indie developer approach made sense. But mm-hmm. I, w- I would say for a very long time, uh, maybe since is like eight, nine sort of years old, um, it's just always something I've been interested in. Um, yeah. So since I was young. <laughs> was there like a triple A company that you had your sights set on at a certain point? Uh, when I was younger, uh, Insomniac. Uh, oh, and I still yeah. love the stuff that they make. Uh, I mean, uh, playing Spyro when I was a young kid and then uh, like graduating for lack of a better term into like Ratchet and Clank and the other games that they have, have produced. Um, definitely in terms of AAA, I think they're one of the highest uh, up there in terms of my like personal love of their games. Um, and then just coming from Scotland uh, and Rockstar uh, games being there, that's sort of something that you're always aware of. If if you mention to your parents that you're interested in games, that's the first thing that, well, yeah, they make money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like uh, Scottish parents will just kind of be like, oh, yeah, no, that, those those Grand Theft Auto games did well. <laughs> right. So uh, Rockstar was also like sort of on the radar in that p- p- point of view. But I mean, both of them, uh, again, it's not so much that I don't think I would be able to work there, but it's definitely like it's a different skill, sh- skill set to work in, in AAA, I think. Right. Yeah. And so you have a small team that you work with. How were you able to connect with them? Um, so we're a team of um, eight people uh, at the moment. Um, I think six of which are, are like full time um, and two are part time. And uh, we're it, it's a sort of mix. So myself and the other three co-founders, um, we met in Denmark. Uh, in Copenhagen, um, sort of throughout uh, a university exchange program. Um, and then beyond that, uh, connecting with the other people in our team, uh, it's sort of been like people we've worked with previously or uh, in only one case, uh, a new uh, person we brought on and hired. Um, but we sort of like met each other all originally uh, when we were just a team of four. We got together um on this exchange program called Uchroma uh, mm-hmm. in Denmark, which was like uh, the European Cross Media Academy was what it was called. It was put on by the Danish Film School. And the idea was that you would come to Denmark, come to Copenhagen and work on games and films uh, in a, a story world space. So you would construct a sort of like world that you wanted to make both a game and a film in. And there was like a, a, a production team and design team and stuff. They were trying to simulate a sort of larger scale project scope with students. Um, and actually that was one of the first things that even though I enjoyed the experience and enjoyed the people I met there, it was sort of seeing this larger production where you're kind of like, mm, I think I'd rather work on, a, on things in a smaller, more intimate team. Um, I think it's definitely hard to wrangle uh, large productions, and it wasn't something I was interested in. Absolutely, yeah. I did something similar at my school, so I know exactly what you mean. Uh, what yeah. was the project that you worked on? Um, uh, so we worked on a... Uh, it was it was three separate projects. Uh, I was part of a design team, but... Um, it was like three separate sort of like projects and and the team that my design team was on was a a sort of like uh it was like an adult cartoon thing like south park uh except it was set in like this this universe where uh sort of global warming has passed the point of no return and it was called meltdown uh it was interesting it, it's strange like even though i'm not that much older than i am then like even even sort of like five ten years ago when you think you're imitating something as smart as south park right. you realize you're doing it badly when you <laughs> you look back at it 
um yeah uh but there was uh two other projects one of them which was more like a kid show like uh um uh in set in space um and another one which was like a little bit like i guess the matrix like this sort of real world and 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 uh um yeah fantasy world or 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 like world in the computer sort of thing vr world uh and that was kind of how um the those spaces were constructed and then we made one animated animated film and one game in each sort of like world and and was it like easier to come up with the film portion or the game portion uh so um even though it's not like i wasn't involved in the film um but the idea was that you were bringing together a lot of people uh, who were like cross disciplinary um to make something interesting so even though i was part of this team that was making a film and a game in this world uh, I was in charge of the game, at least on my team, and and there was a film director who was in charge of the film. Um, so, like, I didn't have a lot of uh, input when it came to things like script writing and stuff, which is uh, fair enough. I don't think it would have been very good. Um, we're not a story-based company. Uh, neither Tiny Tomb or sort of Time on Frog Island has that like narrative focus. It's much more gameplay first focused. Um, but yeah, I would say. With my expertise, the game a lot easier. So uh, then getting into when you really set off on your own as a team, what was making Tiny Tomb like? Um, it, it was a lot of fun. Uh, Tiny Tomb specifically was actually, uh, so I, I mentioned our four co-founders before. Um, as we were starting the company and sort of coming together as a group, uh, one of our co-founders, Gianfranco, he was uh, just doing a lot of different sort of like freelance projects and stuff like that. And uh, he had a hobby project uh, with one of our friends, uh, Mickey, and that hobby project was was Tiny Tomb. Uh, but I mean, the, the game itself looks amazing and it was getting a little bit of traction on Twitter and they took it to a couple of game festivals and people really liked what they were seeing. Um, but Mickey and Jan sort of knew that if it was going to be more than a hobby project, they needed more people. Sure. And we were sort of signing documents and starting our company and we were looking for our first project. So it was almost like uh, like Jeanne had sourced our first project by essentially having this hobby project. Um, and and we ended up sort of collaborating on this game, Tiny Tomb. Um, so the game was already, it, it had a year's worth of, uh, or 18 months worth of design and and sort of like prototyping behind it just on the hobby base before we sort of jumped on it as a team. And it wasn't so much that, I, that like, like I'd never played it or never spoken to them about it because we're all friends together. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it was sort of like we were joining the team and, and sort of like recreating what Tiny Tomb like could be as a, as a title. But we also had a very strong visual style and um, gameplay style that we wanted to keep. Um, so it was a strange experience because we were essentially moving straight into production uh, for, for Time on Frog Island and whatever projects we do beyond that. Uh, obviously, pre-production is very important where like you're trying to find the fun and trying to find what's different about your game. That was all sort of like done before uh, uh, we, we sort of like hit the ground running with Tiny Tomb. Um, and that was good for us as a company. I think it's what allowed us to uh, get it finished and, and have it be polished and uh, sort of have the product we have today. Um, I, I think it's difficult to get through your first game as a, as a company. Um, and even though it wasn't fast <laughs> necessarily, um, uh, I, I don't think we would have been able to do it if we were starting from uh, scratch um, with, with what we had because we didn't necessarily have any investment or anything at that time or um, sort of publisher funding. Uh, it was with the project that that stuff all came. That's great. It really started you off on the right foot, it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it, it definitely helped. Um, uh, like, I mean, we can't look back and see what uh, the the other side of the coin looks like, but uh, definitely, um, it definitely put us where we are today, I think. For sure. And... Yeah, now getting into time on Frog Island, I think something that was obviously different there and that there's a lot of interesting stuff to delve into is the pre-production. And 
like sort of the main conceit that you guys have come up with is that it, it's all a story without dialogue. It's all. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, that was an. Imp- yeah. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> oh, I, I was just going to say it's, it, it was an important thing for us. It was like both the design decision and a monetary one. It's like a. Um, we sort of felt that if you did wash up on this island where everything is sort of so different to what you're used to um, and, and, and the inhabitants there are so different to you, you wouldn't necessarily be able to understand them mm. straight away and sort of have these, the, um, these dialogues with them. Also, like I said previously, as a company, we're not necessarily writers ourselves. I think a lot of the dialogue and things that we write, it, it's, it's really hard to make it seem like there's a fine line between it being um, just bad and sort of like fun and carefree or whatever, you know? Um, and, and we were sort of worried about walking this line. So we sort of went down this path of pictograms only. And that's also a good business decision from a point of view of, of localization and stuff. Sure. Um, so it, it, it sort of stuck like that. Uh, and I think, at least testing with people and stuff, there's always been a little bit of um, confusion, but I feel like it's been mostly good uh, because we've been fixing the things that, that we felt have sort of made a, a bad impact on or, uh, people's perception of the game. Yeah, I think, I think that testing is such an interesting part. Like, are there challenges to conveying like the same symbol to all different cultures or if you had to edit it at all? So that's actually something that uh, is a little bit yet to be seen. Like um, we have a pretty multicultural uh, like group of friends here in Copenhagen and also just generally like the, the, the people we have access to. Um, as a company, actually, out of eight people, only one of us is Danish. Mm. Uh, we sort of all come from very different backgrounds. Like we all live in Copenhagen or most of us. But um, we're, we're from different backgrounds. We have access to sort of like different uh, um, sort of like family and, and, and friends from different places. So there was a little bit of testing in that regard, but um, it, it isn't something that we actually had a lot of time to test wholesale. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that it's not like... Well, it won't be problematic, but I'm hoping that it doesn't. It, it's not too divergent um, from from what we're going for. I think the main thing with the pictograms for us uh, is that we're using, uh, which might be a little bit Western focused, I guess, but we're using like emoji language uh, from the, that people see a lot on their phones and on the internet anyway. Oh yeah. And we're also using images of the things in the game. Like, like we, we've, we've drawn them, we've rendered them, but images of things in the game. So it's not so much like we're using, say, the color red to mean bad or, or, or this type of stuff, which I think it's more those things that uh, can um, sort of like get misconstrued across cultures. Yeah. Whereas uh, we've tried to focus on like, you're looking for this thing and then you will actually see this thing in the world somewhere. Uh, so it's not so much that it can be mis- misinterpreted or anything like that. Uh, there's probably is, I would be surprised if if um, we don't have something that's, that's misinterpreted. Um, but I think uh, for the most part, we've tried to be very safe um, with how we've sort of designed the, the image, uh, the image language, I guess. Super cool. And so, I mean, some of the like creative decisions, I think, what brought you to frogs? Uh, that is actually um, not that interesting a story. It, it was essentially it, it was it was ra- random. Um, like we we definitely lucked out. Uh, I think frogs are very hot <laughs> right now uh, on the internet, and sort of like people latch onto that massively. Um, and I, I like I definitely think that it's something that's worked for us. But um, it wasn't anything we actually did a lot of market research on. Uh, our our artist Casper, uh, he like we we designed the sailor first, and the sailor is sort of like very evocative of 
uh, like Captain Haddock from Tintin or oh, yeah. um, uh, people have also compared the sailor to like uh, Murdoch from the gorillas um, <laughs> and, and other sorts of things like this. It also a little bit Mario with the hat and, and sort of yeah. the, the, the uh, thing with that, but um, very much human. Um, but we sort of decided that like, okay, the, wherever you wash up, it should be very different. Um, like, like, you know, should we use animal characters? Animal Crossing is obviously very interesting, this type of stuff. Um, and, and Casper just sort of drew a few concepts, but they were all like with frog statues or, or like with a frog character eating a sandwich or doing this. And it was kind of like, okay, what if they're all frogs? Or, or uh, and we just sort of go down that path. And that also, again, from a business sense, maybe that can help us when it comes to character creation and animation and all this type of stuff. If, if like we're a small team, if we say frogs, uh, then instead of having a lizard rig and a frog rig and all this type of stuff, we have, we have one. Didn't exactly turn out that way because of how we sort of ended up making the art, but um, uh, that was the general idea when we started. Uh, so, so we sort of ended up with this frog island um, and that also led to the name and all these other things and, and and we've been very lucky with how how that sort of like caught on yeah i actually i remember reading that the name was different earlier in development uh yeah uh, trading uh, time yeah. right yeah. yeah 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 it was trading time um it, it was originally trading time uh and that was a working title uh it was it was like i don't know we we have I imagine many games companies have this, like we just sort of have uh, a collection of pitch documents and decks and stuff that they can be as little as just four lines or, or, or whatever, or like a couple of interesting images, but we sort of just label them. Um, and, and the, the pitch document for, for, for time on Frog Island was just called trading time. And all of these names are, are sort of supposed to be working titles. It doesn't mean that they can't be used, but they're sort of supposed to be working titles. And um, when we first started working with uh, Merge, uh, who are our publisher, they did kind of bring it up. They're like, okay, how locked in is the name for you? Um, Which is apparently just something they sort of ask all teams uh, that they're looking to sign, mostly because if there is a better name, that sort of performs better, like how attached are you to it? How how um, important is it to you that this is the name? Um, and, you know, again, we just said it's a working title. Uh, but we sort of couldn't come up with anything better. Like, I know we have time on Frog Island now, but at the time we weren't sure if that sort of would land uh, in the same way as, like we were thinking that trading time is a little bit indie and a little bit whimsical. Mm. But um, at the end of the day, once we sort of announced the game originally with trading time, uh, the, the, the SEO, the, the search engine optimization with, with trading time was, was terrible. Oh. Like uh, if you type in trading time, like you did get our game on, on top of the, the, the Google sort of hit. But there was also so much about like a, uh, sort of stock market day trading mm. and like what time does the New York stock exchange open or uh, I remember looking up one uh, it was maybe I, I like I, I'm not into say basketball but uh, uh, basketball trading season I remember oh, yeah. googling trading time <laughs> in like March or something and there was an article about some basketball player being traded to another team and i was like oh this this this, this isn't going to help us much so like there's also trading seasons in sports and so ultimately we ended up sort of just changing the name um uh, and time on frog island is actually the name localized to chinese uh, oh. when we were originally um sort of announcing the game coming out in different countries and stuff uh we were um advised by sort of like Chinese partners that like trading time is not necessarily a name you get in, in China. Um, it, 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 like it needs to be more specific or it needs to be more sort of like um, descriptive. Um, they even linked us a, an article about like what is Coca-Cola called in China and it like directly translates to something like tasty and delicious or something like that's that's what Coca-Cola is called in China. Um, mm-hmm. That that may be wrong, but but like specifically, it's just very uh, very 
descriptive. Yeah. So we ended up going with like Time on Frog Island. That makes sense. So we sort of brought it over to the Western uh, um, side uh, when it came to the name, when we, when we sort of like figured out we had to change it. Like there, it, it just wasn't going to work. Wow. It's, you, you don't never think about like how much time and process goes into something like the name. Yeah, no, um, it's, it's one of the most, uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely one of the things that, that does take a lot of, a lot of time and, and, and just like, and it doesn't need to be perfect, which is another thing. Uh, but you're sort of like balancing, like, is it better than this one? Or is it better than that one? Or, you know, how much does it sort of like describe the game? Or what games does this name relate or relate us to that we may or may not want? Um, it, it's definitely, um, it's a whole process. Uh, For sure. Yeah. And... Also in the game, I I did read in another interview that you love to sail in real life, and the main character is a sailor. Was there any influence to that, or have you put in like any authentic touches? Um. So no, actually, uh, well, not so much. Um. Uh. So we knew the game, even though the character is a sailor. Like the game's not about sailing. Like you're washed up on an island. So actually going circling back to sort of like the name thing, um, like when we were thinking about like, oh, what are some fun names that we could have for the game or uh, instead of trading time and we hadn't gone to time on Frog Island yet. And like I, I pitched like quite a lot of like, I mean, they're not nautical names, but like I, I pitched things like Gaffed Mast, uh, um, G-A-F-F-E-D, Gaffed. Oh. It's like because uh, uh, a gaff mast is like a specific sort of like type of sailboat um, uh, mast and I thought like gaffed is also has at least British uh, colloquialisms with like sort of being messed up or broken yeah. and um, I, I just sort of like, like you know that's funny but no one's going to get that joke so like <laughs> why would we make our game that name um, I, like I do I do sail in real life I, I, like I, I really like sailing it's, it's a lot of fun um, I've sailed also for a large portion of my life. My dad really uh, liked sailing, and I went sailing with him when I was young. Awesome. But when it came to sort of this game, it doesn't really make sense to inject that much like authenticity into it. Uh, I mean, we do have a couple of terms that are the correct terms, like the ropes in a boat are called the sheets, and uh, you know we have an achievement called secure the sheets when you attach the ropes and all these types of things. But it's like mm -hmm. super surface level, um, although when I was telling my dad about the game that we were making for the first time and I mentioned that it was a, a sailor that washes up on a beach in a boat, my dad's first question was, what type of boat is it? <laughs> and it's, which is just like, a, you know, it, it's a boat that looks a lot like a boat, like a cartoon boat, because that's what you're trying to communicate to people who don't sail. Like he wanted me to give him the model number or something yeah. like, oh, what boats are you using for reference? Uh, I don't know if the boat's from The Simpsons or something. Yeah, you know? like it's just, Google images, like not real ones. Um, but that's kind of like uh, funny. It's yeah. Uh, no, there's not a lot, <laughs> not a lot, a lot from my from my sailing life going into the game. Makes sense with the objective in the game is you're not selling yeah. the whole game. It's just to get home. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. I guess I think maybe now is a good time for us to go to our musical interlude for the episode. And that is going to be another track from Watch Out for Snakes called Reset. So enjoy that audience. And we will be back with Max shortly. Uh, stay right there. Now we're going to play the track.
Welcome back to Pixel Pizza. You just listened to Reset by Watch Out for Snakes. And now we are back with Max talking some more about time on Frog Island. So I one of the other things I heard you mention is that you have like your own proprietary tools you've developed in Unity for the game. Uh, like how did you come to make them and what purposes do they serve? We have we have some tools that that we that we've built in Unity just using their own sort of like engine programming tools, but um, they're not super in depth. Uh, actually, one of the things that uh, we're probably lacking as a company uh, when it comes to the current team sort of like makeup is that it's only myself and uh, and our sort of like tech lead Remy who who does programming, mm-hmm. and I'm sort of like half a programmer. Um, like I do design and code, but also um, sort of my, my programming knowledge level is, is lower than his. So um, we don't have a lot of time to construct tools. So a lot of the tools that we make, they're, they're, pretty, they're pretty simple. It's, it's uh, specifically for, for Time on Frog Island, we had like uh, quest-based systems, which is not upfront in the game. It's sort of all back back end stuff, but like quest based systems for which frogs want uh, which items and uh, how those sort of like quests and conditions are turned on and off. Um, we've got a few things for uh, like construction of of um, the level itself. Uh, I wouldn't exactly call it tools. It's just using the unit terrain, but it's like how we've sort of like gone about building that stuff. Um, we're not we're not a company that constructs a lot of tools in that sense. Um, uh, we sort of, I guess, like to make our lives hard <laughs> or, or just, or just use the tools that are already there. Um, sometimes it feels a little bit like chasing your tail because you're making uh, like gameplay stuff. Um, if you were to be, if you had the time to step back and uh, work on say six months of tools, then ultimately uh, it would probably be better, but, you also sort of like have these intermittent uh, deadlines and all these types of things that you just sort of need to be constantly uh, working on next things or new features that you don't always get the time to 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 dial into tools in the same way that you would want to. Hopefully that will also change with whatever game we do next. Uh, it's definitely going to be a focus of ours uh, to sort of maybe build some tools first uh, so that it makes making the game easier going forwards. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. So you are also the director of the team. So what, uh, what's the word I was looking for? How would you say you kind of work o- across disciplines and lead a team? Um, it, it's a little bit chaotic, I think, in our, in our team. Uh, but that's also maybe more fine when it's like a smaller group, when it's like eight people. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, myself and, and the, the tech lead Remy, I think we, I guess, spearhead the, um, uh, the direction or, or the, the management side of things, I guess I would say. Um, but uh, like, I think in a smaller team, also your role becomes a little bit more blurred. Like ultimately you do need... Uh, people in charge of their own little pocket of uh, of responsibilities who can sort of act quickly and and uh, sort of like choose a path so that you don't get stuck uh, in the mud somewhere. But um, you know, having a small team, us all being like close, there's also a lot of room for uh, everyone's ideas, sort of like making it into the product and and all these types of things. The game itself is definitely very different from the initial pitch that we sort of constructed. Uh, and it's different for the better. Um, right. The original game, it was also like a different scope, but the original game was very much more uh, like, there's a Might and Delight published game called Pan Pan, which is like a sort of almost like small scale adventure game, um, also has these pictogram graphics. Uh, and it's linear for the most part. There's a little bit sort of of diversion uh, space to go, um, but that was sort of much more in line with 
with where the initial plan was going, it was much more like an open space that you could explore, meet characters, and and trade within these characters, uh, versus what it is now, which is like a blend of platformer and sort of old school adventure puzzle game or whatever. Um, and the game now is much more like unique and cool than it was on paper when we were sort of originally uh, building it. Um, so I think, like, yes, I'm 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 the game director or the director on paper, uh, and like I do uh, try and sort of like keep the the production on track uh, as much as possible. But I think for the most part, the the team is small enough that we can self handle ourselves and. Um, you know, you can you can take a little bit of, of of madness or chaos with the planning, I think, and it it, it, it turns turns everything a little bit better. For sure, uh, you said you know sometimes the lines kind of blur. Were there any ever time, were there ever any times where you had to like take on a role or do something that you didn't expect at all? Um. Not so much that I didn't expect at all, like not on this project anyway, not not in Half Past Yellow. But uh, I mean, we come from a, a sort of uh, originally um, like starting the company, we came from a love of just sort of going to game jams and making games together in that space. And I think there are times when you're kind of like, okay, someone needs to make this thing in 3D and everyone's busy. And I'm not very good at it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyway, I guess. Uh, and maybe it takes twice the time, <laughs> but uh, otherwise it, it sort of like wouldn't wouldn't get done. Um, but not really. I think for the most part, um, like as a company, again, once we uh, sort of get into our like production and once we get into our roles, things blur in terms of how we approach things. Uh, but I just know that, you know, there's, well, there's, it feels like there's so much and also so little time in any specific production, but I, I sort of know that there's never really a need for me to, to jump in and make sounds because our sound designer does it so much faster and better than any yeah. of us, right? Um, so that's not so much uh, ever been a concern. I think you wear a lot of hats, but the hats I wear are more like game design, programming, uh, production, social media, sort of like representative, that's not something I necessarily expected to do, but that's not, um, say, production focused or, or specifically game focused. I guess it's more marketing focused. Sure. Um, party planner. <laughs> I don't know. When you're, when you're, when you're part of, the, when you're part of the, the sort of like company management, you end up doing a lot of things uh, that um, you don't expect to do. Uh, but at least when it comes to the game roles, uh, not so much, not in the full production. Mm, more clear cut, yeah. Uh, so one of the things that you've also mentioned here, and I know like in some videos I saw about the game is that it's meant to be just as fun to like just complete the main objective as it is to take your time and wander around and take everything in and so how do you play test for making sure both of those are fun um well yeah that's a good question um so i think for the most part what we were what we were interested in was that if the world is sort of fun to be present in and fun to move around um it will be fun to spend either short amount, short amount of time or a longer amount of time in that space. So uh, sort of the, the focus on um, the, the game feel and, and sort of like visual look moment to moment, um, making sure that, you know, players are uh, excited to sort of be moving from one place to the other and that it's sort of like stimulating to move from one place to another. If that's interesting, and fun for like on a moment to moment basis, then the hope is that players who are interested in sort of like steam steamrolling and, and, and sort of like running the, the main quest as quickly as possible will have just as much fun exploring the world with the movement set that we've given them 
as someone who just wants to walk around and sort of maybe see every little nook and cranny of 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 the island um so i guess all of the focus went into that moment to moment uh like movement and feel of the game uh because that is what you experience whether you're in the game for four hours or eight hours i guess Definitely. And it makes me think of just how important the feeling of discovery is in a game, whether you're discovering a new way to move or you're finding a new location or secret in the game that always, at least for me, compels me to keep going. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, that is a big part of the the game in general. Uh, I mentioned before, it's a, it's, it's partly a platformer or it has platforming elements. Um, but it's it's also got this. It, it doesn't play like a point-and-click adventure or anything, but it it almost feels like the puzzles are are ripped straight out of uh, a point-and-click adventure from the '80s or whatever, um, where you know there's a character and they're in your way, and to get them out of your way, you need to get the thing for them, you know, um, and that's the sort of a simplistic way of looking at some of the pieces of of the game. But when they come together in this way that gives you this freedom of movement and way to approach challenges in different ways, like you can also decide to not go through this character who's blocking you, but around them or something like that. That is, in, in my mind, what gives the game a little bit of interest. And it gives you those sort of like moments of discovery where you're like, wait, am, am, I, am I doing something that's intended, not intended, or or have I sort of like figured my own way? Have I, have mm. I sort of like uh, made my own uh, path through this this puzzle or through this interesting interesting thing? For sure, yeah. I, I remember when I first saw the game, I thought like, yeah, this gives me point and click. This gives me like King's Quest vibes, but also just, yeah, the not, not without the rigidity of one of those games. Yeah, I think um, uh, it, it was a little bit. It was a little bit into development, but the um, the the line I've mentioned to people who, uh, or or like press when we've been talking to them, uh, is always been that our our artist, at one point, sort of said that it, it feels like a point and click adventure, but for people with ADHD, like <laughs> you 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 have this full on tactile, uh, sort of like three platformer ish, movement system. But in terms of when you go to engage with a puzzle or when you go to sort of like uh, um, sort of move the quest forward, it's more likely that you'll draw parallels to puzzles from things like Monkey Island than you would uh, from, I, I don't know, uh, Mario or, mm. or something, right? Or Limbo, I guess. Limbo is a puzzle platform. Oh, yeah. That's, that's but uh, like sort of instead of having things that are sort of right there and, and, and tactile and movable, it's more like, oh, uh, if only this water would stop spraying on me. And then you sort of need to figure out what you can kind of put in this place or do this or do that. Um, the We've tried to make the, uh, um, the problems very sort of like real and noticeable that you can just sort of like, uh, or that the sort of frogs tell you what they need. And then it's about finding what that thing is, where it is, what other things may be in your way in order to get it and so on. So there's a little more intuition to it. Uh, hopefully. Um, it's also a very, very open game um, from a point of view of uh, like, again, I think it all comes, it, it consistently comes back to are sort of like makeup as a company where many of us, all of us have sort of like come to Copenhagen within the last five to, to, to seven years um, and sort of started living in this new country. Mm. And I definitely think, uh, at least to me as a designer, I was trying to give a little bit of that into the game where um, the game is very much about learning the lay of the land, meeting new people, understanding uh, sort of like where spatial places are in relation to other places uh, and sort of building a mental map of the space uh, maybe even a learning a little bit of the language and so on and so on um, so it 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 can be I think uh, it, it, it's a very specific type of game where you're not given a map you sort of need to either I mean if you want to you can draw it yourself but 
you're not given a map you're sort of like forced to learn landmarks and understand that oh to the north of this is this and to the south of this is this and so on um there's no quest log or or things like this it's a memory game as much as it is anything else um and and i think that's another part of it or or that's one sort of main part of it which i don't see a lot in games um yeah yeah that's i never would have guessed it that that was where the inspiration came from but that's looking at it like that is just super cool so how did you end up connecting with your publisher um so um actually i i can't remember the exact line uh but when when we were in the sort of pitching and uh stage and we were sort of like sending out shotgun blast uh yeah when we were in uh the the pitching stage and, and when we were sending out like shotgun blast uh emails to to different um publishers hmm. we i mean it's not so much that we hadn't heard of merge games uh or like once we heard of them i was like oh they did this and they did this but merge wasn't initially on our radar and i can't remember the exact through line but we we messaged the publisher and they uh, originally were like we generally publish publish bigger products um like your your sort of budget is too small the the, the scale is too small uh, but you should send it to these guys and then we sent it to them and they were like hmm it's not quite for us but it might be part it might be interesting to send it to to these folks so we sent it to them and that was merged it was, it was actually it was like it was like a record it was a it was a uh, what is was the right word? It was a sort of like reflection of a reflection or something, you know, yeah. like like uh, it was like like um, going through three. Um, but we were super excited to uh, to have merge, sort of like see the potential in the game, um, and sort of understand what we wanted to do with it, and ultimately like offer us the the sort of like publishing deal, because I think it is definitely tough also as a new company. Um, uh, in 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 the state that we are that we were in uh, when we were starting Time on Frog Island, that publishers are interested in sort of like having sure things or or sort of like knowing um, or not all of them but like sort of knowing like oh this thing is 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 really going to be great, yeah. um, and obviously that's a safe bet, uh, but sometimes with a with a small company who doesn't have a, a super proven track record like ours at the time. And I guess still now because we haven't released Time of Frog Island yet. Um, but uh, it, it, it can be more difficult to sort of like take that gamble. Uh, sort of you see the game and it's like maybe a year away from being done, and you're kind of like, okay, is the potential going to be capitalized on? Uh, a lot of the emails we got back from publishers sort of, was sort of like, uh, it, it looks great, you know, keep us updated, let us know. What it's looking like in three months or something mm. um but for a small team it's it's difficult to sort of like keep the ball rolling for that long and and sort of like having the investment and having the capital so we did have a few publishers uh that we spoke to like more in depth uh, at that time but it was just really great to speak to the people at merge and sort of like they can see the potential they can see um what we want the game to be they understand what we want the game to be and then to sort of ultimately take maybe a bit more of a gamble than uh, another publisher would have at the same time. Um, and, and hopefully it pays off for us, for them. Uh, it is funny, like over the last sort of six months or so, we've met other publishers, which were kind of like, man, we, we, we sort of like saw the game a little bit too late and oh, you were already signing They, they could have gotten it. They could have snapped it up. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it's sort of like it's um, and, and, and obviously that's that's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm always super excited to to hear those things. Uh, but it is like, um, you know, the game wouldn't maybe be where it is when when they see it without yeah. us partnering with Merge and, and continuing on production of the game and so on. So uh, it is like, you know, once you partner with any publisher, I think they do start uh, working with you, you know, and um, and the game is generally, I hope, better for it. Yeah, and there's something so validating as a person in a creative business to, like, 
have an outside party see your what you've made and like understand the vision, understand what you're going for, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um I think that was that was also something that's super nice to see. Uh I think yeah, you, you never know sort of what you're going to get back when it comes to feedback from publishers, but there are some where, uh, you know, the feedback is kind of like, okay, obviously it, it's partially on us because we're the ones sending out the pitch and we're trying to say one thing. And if our prototype doesn't say that one thing, then the prototype might not be as good yeah. as at saying it as we think it is. But there are definitely some publishers that sort of like write back and they're like, hmm, not really feeling this vibe or whatever. Uh, I, but like the way they're writing it, you can sort of feel like, okay, I don't think we explained it in the way that we wanted to them, or they just have sort of like misheard or, or misunderstood what we're going for. But that's also fine. I mean, those those things happen. Um, uh, or it could just be that, uh, you know, they were never the sort of like partner for us um, yeah. in that sense, because maybe we just don't necessarily understand each other like as, as two companies, as two entities. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always super validating to sort of like hear something back and be like, yes, <laughs> that's, it's, it's been similar with the previews. Uh, like there's been some sort of like previews that I've read and I've just been like, yes, this is exactly the type of press that I want to go out about the game. Um, uh, and that's just been super fun to, to read and be excited about. Yeah, for sure. And you also brought it to GDC recently, where I'm sure you got a lot more eyes on it. What was that like? Uh, yeah, that was super fun. Um, we took it to GDC and, and showed it uh, at the European Game Showcase. Um, and we also showed it at the Mix 10th Anniversary uh, Showcase. And actually, both of those uh, sort of showcases, they were like GDC adjacent. Like We weren't on the GDC show floor or anything like that. I'm actually a little bit uh, glad of that because like showcasing a game, especially at like a big expo like that, it's um, it's a lot of work. Oh. Uh, and whereas the, the, the showcases that we did, they were like evening showcases. There was, it was one on a Wednesday, one on a Thursday. And, and that's just like way easier, like mentally to, to go through because it allows the rest of the week to be, the like you can focus entirely on say meetings or uh, um, all, all the other things that you can do at GDC but it was really nice to to show the game and to meet new people uh, press for specifically time on frog island and possibly future um, and and other like you know service providers and stuff like that and just sort of have them see the game and play the game and because it's so close to being done uh, I think a lot of the other games that were there, uh, actually, that's probably not true. I, I was going to say that, that I think a lot of the other games that were there maybe aren't as close to being done, but that's probably not true. I think there are a lot in a similar state to us. Um, but it's definitely a sort of very polished looking product and all this type of stuff. So it catches people's eyes as they walk past. Um, and that was like super nice just to speak to people at, at the showcases. Definitely. I remember... When I went, this was like three or so years ago, there was a, it was like an after party at a club and it was, a lot of people were showing their games there. I mean, it was like super dark and loud and, but it was an opportunity for like some of the, the smaller devs to show their games, which was really cool. No, I think there's probably quite a lot of that uh, during the GDC week. It's just kind of like a lot of people checking out games. That's actually, it's one of the greatest or like having having like mobile games is super great in that oh, way. Yeah. Like that was one of the coolest things about Tiny Toon was just to be able to take out your phone and be like, hey, this is what we're working on. It's a little bit more annoying with Time One Frog Island now to sort of show people, especially in that context. Of course, you can take your laptop and set it up on a, you know, beer covered table. But um, <laughs> I think... It is, it's a lot of fun just to sort of like show and play people's games. Um, uh, like when you're in sort of like this, this type of context, it's really cool. Um, but we were showing the trailer a lot. Like that's kind of like what we had. It's like you could take out your phone and show the trailer. Other people have trailers and, and videos of their games. Um, but it's always a lot of fun to, to just play, play people's games because it's always just so creative and so cool 
to sort of be in the space uh, for that week. It's uh, very cool. Absolutely. It can be really eye-opening to just see so many different creative ideas in like one burst. Yeah, 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 for sure. So I do have one last question, uh, unless there are any questions uh, you wish I asked. Also a good question. Uh, I don't I don't think so. None that come straight to my head. All right. So then my final question is, of course, this is the Pixel Pizza podcast. Where is your favorite pizza place? Oh, oh, man. So actually, so we were talking uh, in the office today and uh, uh, Remy, who who is is our sort of like head of tech and, and CEO and stuff, he was like, it's the Pixel Pizza podcast. They're they're gonna ask you what when you last ate pizza. <laughs> no so, way. Like that, you know, like that. Like that's that's what he thought it would be like when you last ate pizza. So we had pizza tonight, so that I could oh. be like, I eat pizza all the time. But favorite pizza place. So I, I okay, maybe Danish people would uh, like you know, hundred percent disagree with me. But I don't think that's as big a thing. He, like because I know in, really? in the U.S. So uh, so uh, one of our artists, Hannah, she's from New Jersey. Mm. And I bet if I asked her, she'd be able to be like, oh, yeah, you know, this person's pizza place on this fifth and yeah. fifth, fifth and Mason or something like she would know. Right. Sure. Um, but that's not as much a thing here. I think I think my favorite pizza place in, in Copenhagen is probably a place called Nino's Pizza, mm. which is really close to uh, a small like indie cinema. Um, oh, awesome. And whenever we go to the cinema there, I always get a pizza from from Nino's Pizza. Um, but yeah, I, it's not as as a, as crazy a thing. I think, at least in my experience, um, I feel like me, we fight over kebab more. Like, where's oh, yeah. your favorite kebab restaurant, or you know, where do you get the best durum? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, yes, no, I would say Nino, Nino's Pizza in Copenhagen. If you're in Copenhagen, you should go to Nino's Pizza. Awesome. Shout them out. Uh, so yeah, then that wraps up this week's Pixel Pizza podcast. Thank you for joining me, Max. And yeah, so where can people keep track of the game? Um, you can uh, you can check us out on Twitter. Uh, it's probably the best place. Twitter, Instagram, and uh, I guess our Facebook, but we we don't um, we don't use it as much. But uh, on Twitter, we're just at Half Past Yellow. And uh, Instagram is also half past yellow underscore. I think someone else has half past yellow. <laughs> but uh, no, Twitter and Instagram, we post on every every week, just like small clips of the game and updates. And that's where we put things like release dates and things like that. Um, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Speaking of release dates, that there was yeah. a, a recent announcement as of this podcast going up. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, the yeah. release date is going to be July 12th. Uh, that's when the game is going to launch uh, globally on all platforms at the same time. So it's it's like PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Nintendo Switch, Xbox, and PC. Steam mm-hmm. uh, is 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 going to drop on July 12th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, check it check it out. Check the game out. For sure, you weren't kidding when you said it was almost done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very very soon. Um, we're we're super excited. Uh, it's been a long journey, almost, well, just over two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's 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 really nice to sort of like have it be released and and sort of see what people think of the game. Yeah, that that'll be great to see. I'm sure. Yeah. All right. So, we are gonna head off now, and it's gonna be our final track from "Watch Out for Snakes," our chiptune artist of the week. And this track is called Fight Those Invisible Ninjas. So enjoy that audience, and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.